Hello, and welcome to episode number 125 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big bets, all the big happenings, all the big news in this crazy gambling industry. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, on the Twitter machine, at the Lions US, at PlayPix US. If you want to follow Brett, at Brett Colson. You want to follow me, at Matt Brown, M2. Not going to have Brad Allen this week because uh, if you, I don't know if you looked at the schedule yet, but uh, Thursday night football is a real stinker. So no real opinion from Brad. And uh, we'll find out if either Brad or I have an opinion on the game. But it is one of the worst that I can remember in recent memory, Brett. So not to spoil anything for the end of the podcast, but it's a uh, it's a pretty terrible football game on paper anyway. This could go down as one of the least watched football games, <laughs> at least there's Thursday night football games ever. Cause like even the, usually with like bad teams, there's a few fantasy players who garner some attention. That's not even the case in this game. You've got Melvin Gordon and that's pretty it. Pretty much. Maybe Noah Fant. Pr- pr- maybe if you're like pretty much. hurting a tight end, but yeah, yeah. Like, nobody's going to no, care. It's, it's, game. it is uh it's a bad one. There's no doubt about it. But we'll talk about it here at the end of the pod, so stick around. But first and foremost, let's talk about the NBA Finals. The NBA Finals is set to kick off. Depending on when you're listening to this, it will either be last night or today. Um, it is the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers heading in about four and a half, five-point favorites in game one. If we look at the series line, Brett, this is where things get really interesting. It did open up Lakers minus 400 over at DraftKings. It is now down to Lakers minus 375 on the series price here, which kind of indicates, you know, I mean, that this happens like 87, 86% of the time or something like that or whatever, 89% of the time or some kind of off the top of my head. Uh, I don't find that to be the case. While I do think the Lakers probably win or win more times than not, I do not think they are a 90% favorite basically to win this series. But the only problem is, you know, you you miss the best number on the Heat. It's now down to plus 280 on the Heat. You could have gotten over 300 on the Heat when this thing first came out. So I don't know if you... What do you do now as we sit here at minus 375 and plus 280? Yeah, there's nothing more painful than liking a side, but realizing you missed the best number by quite a bit. Like That's just like, how do you, I just, I hate betting numbers after missing my window, but even still, I, I like the, I like the matchups for the heat here, man. The Lakers have no depth. I think this is going to be a really fascinating series because you got the prototypical NBA champion build with the superstars in LA and the opposite of that with the, with the heat, they're just deep and balanced and they play well together and they shoot. Well, I mean, I just, I think this is going to be, I think this is going to go at least six games. I can't wait. So let me bring up something here. How many times out of 10 do the, does this series play out and the, and the, the Lakers win and one of LeBron or Anthony Davis is not the MVP. Zero. Right? Zero. So my advice to people out there would be you would have to bet $375 to win $100 on the, on the Lakers. You can find the MVP props for the series that are out there. And what you would do then at that point. So, for example, 
over at FanDuel, Anthony Davis is plus 300 to win the NBA Finals. LeBron is minus 165. So you could bet $265 as opposed to 375. And if LeBron wins, then whatever, you're going to win your 100 bucks. But if, um, if Anthony Davis were to win, then you are going to get uh, three to one on your money there. Just just a different way to go about it as opposed to laying 375 to win 100. Just 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 something to think about, Brett. Yeah, and we've got an article on the lines.com. Chris Sheridan wrote it. He talked to Johnny Avello this week about betters are kind of attacking it the same way. You know, mm-hmm. They're betting on LeBron to win MVP as a way to get exposure to the Lakers winning the title because you're right. Like I, I can't imagine Kyle Kuzma or... Cantavius Caldwell Pope winning MVP. They're not going to have four four games worthy of being an MVP, right? Like, like that's what it's going to take. One of those guys in any given day. Hell, we saw Tyler Hero go crazy for the for the Heat in the series last uh, in in their last series, but he had one good game. The thing is consistency, right? And where can you honestly see anybody else other than those two guys on the Lakers putting together a consistent? series where night in night out they're putting up the type of numbers to win MVP and I just can't see it so as opposed to laying the huge series price I would just bet LeBron or Anthony Davis or both and then be happy with my my bet at that point yeah I just don't see a path to anybody else winning like if LeBron gets hurt then that ups the usage for like a Kuzma but even still, they're not going to win without LeBron unless Anthony Davis plays out of his mind, and then Anthony Anthony Davis wins MVP. So I mean, it's just I just I just don't see a path to any of these guys winning this award other than those two. Yeah, so just something to think about if you were looking to to get some exposure to you know the series overall. I mean, like I said, I kind of lean towards the Lakers in the series overall, but I don't. The price just does not justify betting them. So it's actually a pass for me. I'm probably going to play this one, Brett, like I've been playing these NBA finals for a while and hope the dog drops, you know, gets down early and I'm getting more points. And then I just bet them live in game because basketball is a game of runs. Mm -hmm. And if the heat as already starting as four and a half or five point dogs, you know, get down six or seven points, eight points, something like that, then you're going to be catching eight. And we just know, I mean, this Heat team, like you said, just matches up very, very well with the Lakers. I can't see them getting blown out, especially here in game one. So my strategy for this whole series will probably be just trying to get in in game when I can get a more favorable number than opposed to betting this thing pregame. Yeah, I think that's smart. I don't have that option of betting in game. I would have to. I don't. Yeah, I just I can't I can't do it in New York. So the only way I would really attack this is uh, just to have this go over six and a half games. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to go. I think this is going to go the distance. And you get that at plus 255 at DraftKings. I haven't looked at the other prices elsewhere yet, but um, that's really the only way I would uh, I would bet this series. right. Yeah, the only other thing I would look at is if you are a fan of the heat to win this whole thing. The other MVP bet I think that's at least somewhat interesting is just getting Bam Adebayo as the as the MVP of of the finals because you can get him right now at BetMGM, Brett, at eighteen to one. Wow, eighteen. Yeah, and he was to one. Yeah. He was like 20 last week. So when they hadn't. Right. And so so. you're looking here at a guy that if this heat team is to win, 
he is going to have to be one of the major factors in shutting down Anthony Davis and do his part along the way as well. Yeah, I mean, is Jimmy Butler maybe a little bit more likely? Sure. Is Goran Dragic in the picture? Sure. But at 18 to 1, for me, the bet would be on Bam Adebayo if I was looking at this Heat team. Okay. I feel like I feel like listeners of the podcast missed their chance to bet some of these Heat finals futures because we talked about it last week and you've got a much better number last week. But <laughs> yeah, but if you want some... As we sit here yeah, currently... Yeah, if you yes, want some, yeah, uh, if you uh, want yeah. some action, um, you know, again, 18 to 1. It's, I'm, and I, more than anything, I wanted to point out that it's just much better at MGM than it yeah. is, you know, for example, at DraftKings, he's 9 to 1. I mean, at, uh, at FanDuel, I should say. He's 9 to 1. DraftKings too. And so you're getting double your money over at MGM as you would be over at FanDuel. So again, we talk about that all the time, but be sure head over to the lines and uh, click on your state and it will show you all of the sportsbook deals that are there. So be sure and have multiple sportsbooks. If not, you are going to be missing out on the best line, the best price, paying the less big, all the stuff like that. So be sure and take a look at that. So definitely by the time, Brett, people listen to this one, there's going to be a couple of baseball games in the books. There will be more baseball games to come. We are recording this on Wednesday morning. There are eight baseball games going on uh, right now in the playoffs. We might even have a team bounced by the time that you listen to this as the twins will be playing early on Wednesday morning. They are already down one, nothing. And as you guys may or may not remember, this is best of three. Does not matter if you are the one seed or not. It is the best of three. If you lose two games, you go home. And basically what that has created Brett today is not only the twins that could go home, but the A's could go home, the Blue Jays could go home, and the Indians all could go home after Wednesday. So there is a lot of, at least you have to figure, at least one of the four teams is going to lose. So someone is going to get bounced at some point today. Um, you and I both were in on the Reds. I was able to get that 40-1 to 1 futures ticket on the Reds for the uh, World Series before they had clinched an actual playoff berth. So that was good to have in the, in the old account there. Um, do you have any other baseball bets, any series bets, any, do you like any of these individual games? Is there anything that uh, you're looking at? I already had a lot of preseason exposure to the Rays and the Padres, but I did get some more money down on the Reds last week over the weekend. I bet the Reds series over Atlanta and I put more money down on the Reds to win the world series. Cause I felt like, they were still underpriced and we're now seeing this, this price drop. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 22 to one at DraftKings Now I think I saw 15 to one at Circa. So there's money coming in on the reds and it looks like it's sharp money. And it's this team, like we've talked about for months, they are just built to do well in the playoffs. So hopefully they come through. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where we were talking about in this short series, uh, being able to roll out, a starting trio of Bauer Castillo and then Gray is something we were very, very interested in. One of the teams here, Brett, and this is where the reason I brought this up is because some money came down uh, on my end. One of the teams that is not going to, at least at least in game one, be able to go to one of their two studs is this Padres team that has injuries to both Denilson mm-hmm. Lamette and in Mike Clevenger. They're going with Paddock in game one. Cardinals at plus 175. It is nothing, it has nothing to do at all about me liking 
the Cardinals that much more than the Padres and everything to do with the price here that I'm getting at nearly two to one on a team that does not know if they're going to have the not going to have the use of their two best pitchers, you know? And so for me, just getting nearly two to one on the series on the Cardinals was just a little bit too far, just a little bit too much for me to pass up. So I went in on that. I mean, I guess the last news that was coming out was they were playing. And this is, I honestly heard this, Brett, aggressive catch. They were playing. I don't even know what that means, but aggressive Aggressively playing catch was uh, was Lamette and Clevenger. Maybe one of them goes in game three if it makes it to game three. But uh, yeah, nearly nearly two to one on the Cardinals. Short series, high variance. Went ahead and took it. Yeah, um, the good thing about the Padres is they do have a phenomenal bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, they, you know, they should be if they can get through this series and get these pitchers healthy. I think they'll be super dangerous. But yeah, I I, I agree. I think you're getting a a good price there on the Cardinals when there are some huge question marks with this Padres team. If we look and you want to bet any of the futures here over at DraftKings, no surprise. Dodgers plus 350 to win the whole thing. Yankees plus 600 to win the whole thing. Rays plus 650 to win it all. And then it gets into the White Sox at nine, Padres at 11, Braves at 12. Interesting to see the Twins still at 12 here, Brett, Mm -hmm. with considering they are down a game right now um cubs 15 indians 15 a's 15 astros 18 yet the astros won a game so this is maybe there's some some little hacks to exploit here guys if you do go into some of these futures markets and you want to play them you obviously you miss the as brett mentioned look you miss the very very best of the numbers because those were up last week before all the seedings and the pairings were done that said if you do want to get some action down if you are interested in having a bet it does not look like these prices adjusted too much with who won and lost actually it, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing very similar numbers at Fanduel yeah. right now too. That's interesting. Although you know, you look at the pitching. The Astros got their best pitcher out of the way in Game One, and now what are they left with? That has a lot to do with. Yeah, that. just uh, but, just interesting um, though. It does not look like this. Uh, yeah. that, that there was much adjustment depending on who won and lost in Game Ones here. So. Yeah. Um, Go ahead and take a look at those. Maybe there's something that piques your interest if you're interested in getting into baseball. Wish we could dive in a little bit more, but as we said, the, the games are all going on basically as we as we speak right now and as you're listening to this. So we'll we'll definitely dive in as things clear out next week a little bit more and give our thoughts on how baseball could go here. But interesting times, fun times, and hopefully you're able to sit in front of a television because today's Wednesday and Thursday are going to be pretty awesome days for baseball. Uh this is no no future talk here, Brett. Just a congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champions. Went off as about two to one favorites in that series after they won one game. It jumped all the way to the three eighty as far as series price. They got up uh, when they won two games. They were as high as minus five sixty in that series. So uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, the favorites, and went through as being the favorites the entire time. Really interesting. This was a, a huge favorite. Your Brett's our Brett's our hockey guy. A huge favorite last year that gets bounced in the first round, and then bounces back this year and wins the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. One year, one year after being swept in the first round as the one seed, uh, they go on and, and win it this year. Had had a Virginia Cavaliers basketball vibe to it. Just you know, losing to the 16 seed in embarrassing fashion, and then getting redemption the following year. So that was that was cool for them, and well deserved. They were the best team in the playoffs, and it really wasn't close. So often in hockey, we, we see a team play exceptionally well and just run into a hot goalie or get unlucky on 
positive scoring mm-hmm. chances and just falls short. That did not happen this year. Tampa Bay earned it. Uh, a, a team that had several players test positive for COVID back in June and uh, rallied to win it all. So, um, yeah, like I said, well-deserved. They, they were tremendous. Also, the French Open is going on right now as well. Those, those matches happen a lot of the time while you're sleeping and early, early morning as that kind of thins out as well. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But again, too many, too many matches going on to break down individual matches here on the podcast and and things like that. So as that starts to thin out, I think the biggest news really to come out is Serena Williams has withdrawn from the women's side of the French Open. She has an Achilles injury, so she has decided that it is not in her best interest to proceed. So that really opens things up a lot more even on the women's side uh, that Serena Williams is going to be out there. College football, Brett, is up and going. We will have more, as we know, in the in the months to come as these conferences has, have opted back in to, uh, mm-hmm. to everything. But the SEC kicked off last week. Defending national champions LSU get not only – not only does Mississippi State cover the 16 and a half point spread, they went outright uh, in the weirdest year of, of everything here. And so uh, what this really has done now, Clemson, who was already the favorite with, uh, with in college football for the national championship, now two to one to win the national championship. Ohio State, whenever the Big Ten gets going again, 250 Alabama Four to one. And then outside of that, Brett, numbers just start climbing real quickly. We're talking a two to one, a two and a half to one, a four to one favorite. Then the then Florida jumps all the way to 12, Georgia to 20, Oklahoma to 28, and then so on and so forth. From there, it really is going to be a three-team race. Alabama is just so much better than everybody else. Clemson is just so much better than everybody else. And when Ohio State takes the field, they also will be just so much better than everybody else. And so, you know. I think there's actually still a little bit of value in Alabama at four to one in this in this futures market. If you're interested in playing college football at all, I understand, guys. Look, you're probably like me. I didn't think college I didn't think college football was going to happen, so I didn't do a whole bunch of preseason handicapping really at all. Um, so uh, look, it's it's kind of tough for me to whenever I take a look at everything and and start to talk about college football as to you know, game by game basis. What I can tell you though, I know the talent that is on Alabama. I understand what they brought back. I understand the coach and Nick Saban, and I understand more than anything, what the rest of that conference lost. And so, um, you know, again, four to one at DraftKings might still be a little bit of value there. That's about it. Sure. That's okay. it's really I I have not watched any college football. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on. There's just so much going on. Man. We usually don't have uh, hockey and basketball going on at this time of year. So college football is at the very bottom of my interest. Yeah. And, and the only reason I also point that out, it's you're getting four to one at DraftKings, whereas it's three and a half at both FanDuel and MGM. So you can see a little bit better odds over there at DraftKings. So be sure again and take advantage of that. Brett. Big news came through officially this morning. We'd heard the rumors and there'll be a lot more about all of this on our sister podcast over on legal sports report podcast, but this does affect betting a lot. So we did at least want to touch on this real quick. Uh, Caesars entertainment has bought William Hill. And so 
the reason this is big news in the industry, obviously, if you are in a legalized betting market right now, you most likely have the option to bet at William Hill because they are in the majority of the legalized sports betting markets that are out there. William Hill now synonymous in Las Vegas as well, because not only did they have a million locations before they had bought out, they had, they had previously bought out CG, which uh, if you've been to Vegas recently, CG was running the books at most notably the Venetian and Cosmopolitan. So two high profile strip hotels down there that are now William Hill run. Um, But now Mm -hmm. Caesars comes in they purchased William Hill for $2.9 billion, Brad. And I think this really goes to show, not that we didn't believe this anyway, but Caesars is really, really all in on sports betting here in the United States and what they think that they can do with sports betting across the country in the United States. Of course, they let ES, well, didn't let ESPN, but they, in a partnership with ESPN to build a studio at the link, which is a Caesars own property where they're doing daily programming out of, you know, talking about sports betting and whatnot. And, you know, I think at this point, this really shows that Caesars was like, yeah, we're, we're going to be a player now. Yeah. And this is good. This, you yeah, know, more competition is good. We're seeing now Caesars, showing that they want to be a player with DraftKings and, you know, the FanDuel, the, the huge uh, forces in, in sports betting right now in the U.S. So, yeah, I, I think this is a, definitely an interesting move. Um, I mean, we, yeah, Caesars and William Hill, they already had the, you know, the joint venture in the U.S. that, you know, allowed William Hill to take bets online and on Caesars, at Caesars properties. And now, I mean, it's, what are we going to, what, what comes out of this? How does this change anything with William Hill and Caesar? I would imagine, I mean, so, uh, and this is just speculatory and we'll, as more details come out, we'll certainly update you guys next week on this, but I would imagine maybe we see some sort of hybrid operation and I could be wrong, but I, I imagine that at the end of the day, you know, you might see something kind of like we see with this whole Nevada and rest of country situation with MGM as well, where there are longtime established bookmakers here in Nevada that run the Nevada portion of the company. And then the kind of rest of rest of country is run in that joint venture that MGM has with GVC, which is a European company. And so maybe we see a lot of that here in the States as well, where Caesars kind of handles you know, some jurisdictions and then William Hill, the people who, you know, behind the scenes at William Hill handle some other jurisdictions, but it will be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I think the other thing that's interesting about this, Brett, as I mentioned, um, now that Caesars has officially bought William Hill, I mentioned, you know, the, the high profile casinos on the strip and then even, you know, like the hard rock in Reno, which uh, Reno is, is pretty close to California and they get some action up there and all that. I cannot imagine the Cosmopolitan or the Hard Rock or the Venetian or whatever having a Caesars property inside their casino. So this is going to open up uh, either additional partnerships or maybe a new maybe this is finally the opportunity for a DraftKings or a FanDuel or a points bet or whoever to get into Nevada mm-hmm. and, and, and try and, and see what they can do here or something. But there's not going to be a Caesars book inside of the Venetian or the Cosmopolitan or the Hard Rock or any of these other casinos that are direct competitors to, uh, to Caesars Entertainment. So that actually is pretty interesting to see how that plays out, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this all just happened this morning. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to really like dive into it yet. But uh, if you are interested, check out the uh, the story over Legal Sports Report. And obviously, you guys will be talking about it on the Legal Sports Report podcast this week as well. 
So let's go ahead and head into the NFL news here. First and foremost, COVID has now hit the NFL. Players and staff of the Titans did did test positive. That is uh, what that has done, Brett, is that has shut down their facilities until at least Saturday. And what that has also done is put a little bit of a cloud around that game. Now, Adam Schefter, who knows more than you and I and everyone else combined with all of his sources, say that they are still aiming to play the game this week. Now, they he did put in the caveat that they might move it to Monday should they need to move it to Monday here from a betting perspective. Is this not I mean, if you're a better and a team is not allowed in its facility until Saturday, and they have to play on Monday, would that not be an auto fade for you? I mean, I guess it would depend on where the line ends up settling. So, I mean, I guess I can't say auto fade because maybe the line just completely reflects what's what's going on here. But if the line seems even somewhat reasonable to you, would it not be an auto fade on that team? Yeah, I mean, be, they can't prep, right? Be, I mean, yeah, be, because it's more of a guessing game. Like how do these teams, what happens when they get out of the routines mm-hmm. and they're not practice practicing? I like, I just, I don't know what to expect from either of these teams if they're not on like in their normal routine. So yeah, I, I wouldn't touch this game. So it definitely impacts betting. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a unique, uh, like what's going to happen here with uh, like where the money comes in on these. And teams. I know there's going to be a lot of people out there who say, well, they'll get together at a park or something or they'll get whatever. And like, and they probably will. And, and you yeah. know, and, and I get all that. However, I'm more talking about like the film study, right? Like that classroom stuff and getting in there with the coaches and breaking things down because Brett, let's just take a real life example here. Um, the chargers, the unfortunate circumstance with Terod Taylor and the Chargers against the Chiefs trot out Justin Herbert out of nowhere. The Chiefs had no idea that Herbert was going to play. They were preparing for Terod Taylor, and Herbert plays a completely different type of game, and he keeps that game competitive because they they did not have any idea that this guy was going to be stepping on the field. Let's flash forward one week later where the Panthers did know that Justin Herbert mm-hmm. was going to be starting. They had a whole week to watch the film on him, go back into his college tape and look at his tendencies and see what's going on with all that. And then the Panthers, which we still, despite the fact what happened this past week, still think are going to be a bottom five defense in the NFL over the course of the season. We're able to limit what he was able to do for the vast majority of that game. Now they did score late and there was a little bit of garbage time stuff that was going on there, but Getting that classroom time, getting the film study time, getting and being able to show the defensive players, these different guys tendencies and what they did last week and how they might be going about certain things. That to me is why I would be like more of an auto fade on the Titans because they're not going to have that at the very least. Now, they might be able to get together in a park, like we said, and run through some plays or to walk through some plays or whatever. But they're not going to have that film study time and they're not going to have that time in the in the room with the coach breaking down the actual X's and O's. And that, to me, is just as important. Sure. Then you, well, you, I mean, I guess you could look at coaching and continuity within a locker room and how, you know, how guys would and or how you know, a team would react to just preparation without having the coaches around them. But again, like that's just too much, too much guessing for me. I just, I can't even, I can't even go there. So I mean, you got, you know, you got uh, Tomlin against Vrabel here. I don't know where the coaching edge is there. Like I, I just don't know. So yeah, this is a, this is a fade for me. I, I just, 
just too much uncertainty. This, bo- this, this game we should mention as we record this is currently off the board because there is just uncertainty around the Titans team in general. That said, the Vikings did come back negative and then came back again negative uh, this morning on Wednesday. That game is actually popped back up on the board. They did take down the Texans and Vikings for a while. It is now back up this morning. We have the Texans as four and a half point favorites over the Minnesota Vikings as we sit right now. So that game did get pulled down, pops back up, sitting at four and a half. Of course, we'll have our big pod that we do on Friday with with Brad, and we'll be breaking down all of these games and probably running through some of these angles as well because there will be reports coming out of these camps. These beat writers are plugged in. They'll be talking to players, and they'll be figuring out just how much this is affecting these guys because, Brad, I can only imagine, as you said, I mean, one way or another, these teams are going to be affected by this, and I guess it's just going to be us trying to figure out how affected they are. Yeah, and I feel like this won't be the last time we run into this problem uh, during this season. It's actually amazing it took this long for positive cases to come back, which is a, a testament to how, what the NFL is doing. And, but, and yeah, the discipline of the players we, we, as well, for the majority, yeah, for the sure. most part, right? I mean, they've, they've, they, for the most part, it seems like they're going about this very professional and doing their job. And we haven't had any sort of, sort of outbreak that said, and it's, we're not, we won't get off on a tangent, but it, it is very surprising to me. And I think you and I mentioned this on the pod when the schedule came out, that there was not a universal bye week that was inserted into the schedule for makeup games. I thought that that made the most sense in the whole world. And I thought that was just really, really obvious that, you know, whatever, between weeks 15 and 16 or something like that, just insert a universal bye week where you could put in any makeup games. And then the, and then the season just continues and rolls on, but uh, they didn't do that. And so, as you mentioned, this hopefully is the last time I cannot imagine that it will be the last time. And there's going to be a lot of juggling that is going to go on and a lot of juggling has to happen that I think wasn't all that necessary if they would have just put in a a bye week at the end of the season. I mean, Brett, at the end of the day, worst case scenario, you have a Sunday that with without football games, that seems highly unlikely. It seems like there will be a game that will be, that will fall victim to COVID regardless. But in the year 2020, it seems like maybe that would be a good thing, right? Like if, if you if you had a Sunday that there was no games because you didn't have any canceled due to COVID, that almost that should just be like a celebration Sunday then or something. Yeah, you know. So definitely, yeah. I don't know. That's um it, just again, that's just uh, something I was thinking about and can't imagine why that didn't actually come to fruition, but uh, it doesn't really matter because it didn't. Uh, let's talk a couple of little news tidbits here. Nick Foles in at quarterback for the Bears. They benched Trubisky. Foles came in. He's already been named the quarterback for week four. Brett, we called this one to a T that you had to start Trubisky, then go to Foles because you can't go back the other way. So because you can't start Foles and then go Trubisky. So they started Trubisky, went to Foles, everything playing out like we thought in the preseason here. And so Nick Foles in at quarterback from the Bears. This did not affect the line at all. It is a two and a half point uh, line. The Colts favored on the road against the Bears here. The the switch from Foles to uh, from Trubisky to Foles. Does that change your perception of the Bears at all? It does. Yeah. 
I mean, look at look what happened on Sunday. The mm-hmm. only reason the Bears came back and won that football game is because Nick Foles came into the game. Right. So, yeah, I, I think there is I think there is a difference. See, there. I, I, you know, I, I, do I you keep hearing the same thing I do, that it's a lateral move? Do you do you keep reading everyone saying like, oh, it's a lateral move? What's the big difference? I haven't seen a lot yeah. of that yet. No, but um, I just don't. How, how can you how can you see that? I, I know Trubisky is so bad. It's it's unbelievable. And then at some point, too, you have to bring in the t- the the intangibles. Right. So like this is a guy that this is a guy that's been there, done that. He's been to the playoffs. He's won mm-hmm. in the play. He's won a Super Bowl. He can control a, a, a huddle in a locker room. And there should be some respect on him as well because of having been there, done that. Lord knows these guys that are playing on this Bears team, if not, you know. And so I do believe that that there's a, that there's a difference here. I think that Foles is probably a better playmaker at the end of the day, especially in crunch time. Then Mitchell Trubisky, like if someone said to you, you have to be entrusted with your life for one of these two quarterbacks to complete a pass on third and seven. I am saying Nick Foles 10 times out of 10. I mean, I'm never saying Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, a lot of it is trust in the, with the offense, too. I mean, Nick Foles has been there. He won a Super Bowl. So a guy like Allen Robinson, who has been not happy mm-hmm. with Trubisky, a quarterback, now has a guy who, I mean, clearly he's already had more success with Foles than he had with Trubisky and just a half of football. So yeah, I think there's, I think there is a difference in, in the locker room and it's going to show in, in the results this season. We'll talk about this game on Thursday night here in just a second, but another quarterback change in the fact that the Broncos are going to go with Brett Rippon. If you've never heard of Brett Rippon, we'll explain what a Brett Rippon is here in just a little bit. Some injuries that we'll be monitoring as we move into week four here. Um, boy, Chris Godwin. I mean, Brett, this is a guy that had to miss with a concussion now out at least a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. This Buccaneers team, look, I'll admit, I was not very high on this Bucks team coming in. Tom Brady, I'll, if we're going to say when we're right, we're going to say when we're wrong as well. Tom Brady has looked good. He, this defense is spectacular. This defense is going to keep them in just about every game they play. So, so long as Tom Brady can connect to one of these ridiculous myriad of weapons that he has on that team. I think this Bucks team is going to be a really tough out. That being said, Chris Godwin is definitely going to have to stay on the field. Yeah, uh, I agree that the defense has been awesome. I Brady, I, I don't know. I, he hasn't looked great to me, but they're still moving the ball down the field. So, I mean, what he's just typical Brady every, every single year. I mean, he doesn't have an arm left, but they still managed to get chunks and move the, move the ball down the field. So yeah, they're doing what they need to do. Um, and I completely whiffed on that game last week. I had to, very wrong read about that Broncos Bucks game. I thought it was going to be a much closer. Oh game, yeah, that's right. I tried to, I tried to book your uh, individual action. <laughs> if, if, yeah, it's so you, funny. I'm glad you didn't. Brett and I have a, uh, have a side chat and, and j- to your credit, you went four and one. Um, you, that was the only game that you missed this yeah. week, but uh, Brett put in his, Brett, Brett put in his picks. And whenever he, I saw that he had the Broncos on there, I said, all right, I got you. Also, I will personally book your, your action <laughs> on, the, on the Broncos and Bucks game. That was one of the most confident games for me of the week. And so, um, yeah, and look, it, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the team a little bit later. But yeah, this, this Bucks team, listen, I think they're surprising. 
there's some just from the fact of the matter of, of, of the offensive side of the ball. Look, I knew the defense was going to be pretty good. I guess I didn't know the defense was going to be stellar. It has been stellar so far. They're flying mm-hmm. all over the place. And like I said, they are going to be hell on just about any team that they play. And as long as Brady cannot turn the ball over, which he did a couple of times a week one, but as long as Brady cannot turn the ball over and continue to just feed the ball to Godwin and Evans and Gronk and Howard and Fournette and everyone else, you know, all these different guys he's got on this team. It's uh this Bucks team is going to be it's going to be interesting, Brad. I don't know if I don't think that they're probably the favorite to win the South at this point. They probably yeah. are. I you know even though they lost to the Saints in Week One, yeah, the Saints don't look good. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, they just don't. So I yeah, I think uh, I think the Bucks probably are the favorite in that division. Right Raiders now. are now down Brian Edwards, their other rookie receiver that had to step up and basically take on a big role for this team because Henry Ruggs has gone down for the Raiders as well. And so now the Raiders, Brett, and I know you are going to love this because it is your Buffalo Bills that are coming to town to take on this team are now headed at the receiver position by Hunter Renfro, Nelson Aguilar, and Zay Jones, someone you know all too well. So that uh-huh. is the uh, that is the receiving core for the Raiders as we sit right now. Brian Edwards goes down as well again. The As we said, on the road here, I will say, however, only a three-point favorite against this Raiders team. And I only mentioned this early in the week here. Of course, we'll break down the games on Friday, but I mentioned this early in the week because I got on this early. I don't want this thing to get to three and a hook. I really, really, really like the Bills in this game. Nice. Yeah, I think this, you know, we were heavy fading the Raiders last week. Yeah. I think this is a probably probably a good spot to fade them again because where how are they going to score points against this Bills passing? Well, defense? I think I, I think I Bill Belichick gave, gave the blueprint to y'all, right? I mean, and it's basically like yeah. take Waller out of the game and then they're just not yeah. they're not going to be able to win. So just like take a remove Waller from the game and then that's it. And I can only imagine the Bills are watching this film and saying, oh, if we just take Waller out of the game, then we're going to do fine. And it seems like that's uh, that's how they're going to go about it here. A big total in that one, though, 52, 52 points. We'll we'll certainly dissect that one a little bit more. Deontay Johnson is in the concussion protocol for the Steelers. He was getting, Brett, I mean, once we dug into the advanced numbers with this, I guess I didn't quite realize just how often he was being targeted by Big Ben, but Deontay Johnson was getting over 33% of the targets for Ben Roethlisberger early in the season here. With his ability to separate, this is a big loss for them. Um, the good thing is they do have Chase Claypool to, to fill in, who has been excellent as well. They just continue to churn out these receivers. I don't know how Pittsburgh does it, but um, yeah, Deontay Johnson, just he's always open. Uh, so this is, a, this is a pretty big loss for them. Tariq Cohen to IR for the Bears. Don't know. How big of a loss that is. I mean, he's just their third down guy, but still Tariq Cohen to IR for the Bears. Dallas Goddard to IR for the Eagles. And so here we sit again with this Eagles team, Brett, that is now a seven-point dog to the 49ers. The 49ers, who is a who in and of themselves are walking out their B team because of all the injuries. And here we are, the Eagles, a seven-point dog. Dallas Goddard to IR, which leaves them with pass catchers again of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and because uh, Deshaun Jackson had to leave that game early because due to injury. Now, he might play this week. But the Eagles just absolutely decimated by injuries. And we are seeing that reflected in this line as they are a full touchdown underdog to a 49ers team that's going to be quarterbacked by Nick Mullins. 
Yeah, and they also just signed Hakeem Butler, the corpse of Hakeem <laughs> Butler, who had all the hype coming into the NFL draft, dropped all the way to the, what, fourth yeah. or fifth, maybe? I don't know. He just kept dropping and dropping. As a wide receiver now, apparently he's a tight end, and he's going to play <laughs> tight end for the Eagles. Like, well, this, this, this team is a disaster right now. And then, like you said, off the air, this is a Sunday night football game. This is the worst week probably ever for primetime games in the NFL. Yeah, it is. It is going to be tough. It's going to be a tough watch. There's uh, no doubt about that. And then another big deal here as far as, you know, we talk a lot about the offensive guys, but Chris Harris to IR for the Chargers, which just completes the compl- the overhaul of this whole Chargers team. They are decimated. Ingram on IR as well, Brad, it, to go along with Derwin James. To I mean, it, this... Uh, Chargers team is a shell of itself. Terod Taylor still out at least this week. That being said, if you believe Anthony Lynn, he is saying when Terod Taylor is able to go, he is going to go back to him despite Herbert showing that he has what it takes to probably play in the NFL right now. But uh, Chris Harris to IR for this Chargers team. I faded them last week. I imagine the Chargers, until these numbers correct themselves in the market, the Chargers are going to be a team I'm going to be fading uh, for a while. Yeah, same with same with me. I mean, this is, you know, these the defensive losses are so massive for mm-hmm. this team, and I think that they really need to be reflected a little bit more in the lines, and we'll talk about that again on Friday as well. Real quick, as we head into week four, on a macro discussion here, Brett, are there any teams that you have decided, all right, you know what? This team, definitely a good team. Okay, this team, definitely a bad team. I know one of those teams will be the Kansas City Chiefs as they go out and take care of business against the Ravens. I got to be honest, it didn't really drop my perception of the Ravens all that much because at the end of the day, the Ravens are a front runner, right? I mean, that's what they are. They're, they're, they're a bully. They get ahead in games, and once they get ahead, they just don't lose leads. They're not really built to play from behind, and they got behind in this game, and that showed pretty well. Did, did that drastically affect the way that you look at the Ravens team? Not really, because you look at the Ravens versus the rest of the league, and I think they're leaps and bounds above any other team. Mm-hmm. This is just how good the Chiefs are. Like, right. There's the Chiefs and there's everyone else for me right now. That's it. It's really just those two teams. You look at the, the rest of the teams in the NFL right now, the Seattle Seahawks, excellent on offense, but that defense is, oh my God. Can you imagine what the Chiefs would do to this defense? No pass rush. Their secondary is terrible. So... And they're probably you can make the, make the argument they're the third best team in the league right now. I mean, Buffalo has holes like I I I don't know like there's just a lot of parity in the NFL right now outside of those top two teams. So I'm waiting to see if one of these other teams steps up. Uh, we got some. I feel like we've got some bad three and O teams right now. Like Chicago and Tennessee are three and O. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not going. I know you didn't want to pull the trigger here, but I will go ahead and say it. I mean, listen, if they come out here on the road, beat up team or not, I mean, um, your bills can can make a statement this week, I think. And this is like because this is a classic letdown spot. It's a it's a game they should win against a team that's beat up against a team that's going to have no playmakers out on the field. And a lot of teams will will shit the bed in this spot. And if the bills come out here and take care of business, I think they're in the discussion as being a real good contending team in the NFL. So I am, I'm very curious while I won't put them there as we sit here on Wednesday and week, as we head into week four, when we're doing this pod, as we're heading into week five, Brad, I think that there is a, I think that there is a a chance for me to, to be saying, Hey, look, this is a, this is a good football team. 
Yeah, we've got them at number six in our power rankings right now. I think they were at number six before the season started, and I'm I I kind of agree with that. I, I haven't seen enough, even though they're three and zero. I haven't seen enough yet to move them into that like top five with uh, Seattle. But yeah, if they can go out and win on the road, and what you're right, it does look like a letdown spot. If they can go out, win on the road uh, against uh, Vegas this week, I think um, we can start taking them seriously. As far as bad teams, Broncos are bad, Jets are bad, the Washington football team is bad. I don't think there's any question about any of those. Um, what do you think if someone's uh, the Giants are bad? I don't think there's a, a question about that either. What would you say if someone said because interesting because the two teams are actually playing this week. Are the Jaguars bad? Are the Bengals bad? Are either one of those teams bad? Yeah, they're, they're both, both bad. bad. Okay, yeah. I mean, they're, I think, they're, I think both. they're both bad. The, the questions. I think they're both bad with like, at least, at least they're fun bad, right? Like you wouldn't like not, yeah, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't want to yeah. not watch one of those teams. Like I would, I'm like over watching the Giants play. Like I, I'm over watching the Washington football team play. Like I, I don't have any interest in watching those teams play or something, but at least with the Jags and the Bengals, they're like, they're fun, bad, right? Like they're at least like, I'm yeah, they're at I'm least, they're at least yeah. teams you would watch knowing that they're probably going to lose the game. Yeah. hundred um, percent. The, the question for me is like, are, are the Eagles bad? Right. And I think that I think I, the answer is probably as this version of this Eagles team, this current version, I would say yes. Probably are the Falcons bad Falcons who just play their way into like, Ugh. Almost lock like they're they're locks to win football games and then they just collapse. So are are they bad? What what do we do with this team? Going yeah, and anyway, that, that's an interesting one there because are the Packers good too? So there's that. Like this, it's the uh, that's yeah. the the Monday night game this week is are the Falcons bad? Are the Packers good? I think we're going to find out a lot probably at five o'clock, you know, eight o'clock Eastern on Monday, because, you know, if the Falcons put themselves in a situation yet again, to be competitive with this Packers team that is coming in as over a touchdown favorite, then I think we probably can't label them as bad, maybe just more puzzling and confusing than anything else. But, uh, you know, if the Packers go and handle business uh, like they should, we might have to put this Packers team in the, um, in the yes, they are good category. And that would really go against everything that you and I thought this Packers team yeah. was going to be heading into the season. We thought a huge candidate for regression, but they are so far proving us wrong. Yeah. Well, when they do that, when they put up the offensive performance, they did on, on Sunday night without Devonte Adams, you just have to take your L yeah. I think. And just to say, all right, I was wrong about this offense. I expected uh, much different yeah. than what I'm seeing with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers didn't look like a good football player last year. He is out of his mind right now. He is he's back. So uh, yeah, some adjustments probably need to be made in the coming weeks on the on the Packers. Yeah, and like I said, Monday night will prove a lot to us there with that one. I'll take the L if I have to take the L. I've always said that Aaron yeah. Rodgers was one of the greatest quarterbacks of our generation, if not the greatest quarterback from a talent perspective. And he's playing at a very high level right now. And I can't, you know, um, even at his advanced age, he he is not one of the guys that is kind of aging and showing any sort of sign of of decline here, at least so far early in the 2020 season. All right, guys, we're going to talk about it because we have to. It is a Thursday night football. It is the Denver Broncos against the New York Jets. And as mentioned earlier, the Broncos are going to roll out Brett Rippon. Brett Rippon is an undrafted free agent, Brett. And um, a lot of people, whenever he rolled out there, <laughs> a lot of people, when he rolled out there, were like, 
what in the hell is a Brett Rippon? He was signed off of the, the practice squad just like hours or whatever before the game comes in and now is going to be starting an island football game where, let's face it, there'll still be people watching, you know, uh, uh, Brett Rippon at quarterback here, the Broncos. One point favorites, if that tells you anything what the public thinks of the Jets, they are one point favorites on the road at the Jets with Brett Rippon starting at quarterback. Yeah, this line opened at three, too, <laughs> and that was when we thought maybe Driscoll would be starting. As soon as Rippon was announced as the starter, that line started moving off the three. It's a, it's creeping towards a pick now, which is unreal <laughs> because how bad are the Jets, man? Like, the Jets and the Broncos, these two teams are so horrendous. Uh, and they gave us this one on Thursday Night Football. Obviously, we didn't expect the Broncos to be this bad right. in week four, but here we are. It is a 39 and a half point total at MGM and FanDuel. It is a flat 40 at DraftKings. So you can also see what everybody is thinking about this game whenever you just look at the total that does not look like it is going to have any sort of any sort of uh, any sort of juice from the offensive side of the ball. If we take a look here. Brett, the uh, pro football focus ratings, which you and I like because these are guys that go in and they watch every single play of every game. If we look at the offense, the total offense, Denver dead last, the Jets 30th. So we are getting the 30th and 32nd ranked offenses in all of football right now going at it. If we take a look at the defensive side of the ball, the Broncos at least do have a respect, somewhat respectable defense and you'll find them a little bit higher up, but uh, yeah, the, the, the jets way down at 25th as well. Nobody, they don't, the jets do absolutely nothing well. And so I know you and I are not interested in playing this game. So let's at least give these people some some analysis here if they do want to play this game. So let's make a case for the Jets, if at all possible. Um, I think my my case for the Jets here would be some somewhere along the lines of one, they're playing at home, even though there is no home field advantage. They didn't have to travel. They sleep in their own beds. They're comfortable. There's a comfortability factor. They are getting a rookie quarterback making his first start ever on the road as well. And there is at least somewhat of a chance that Jamison Crowder plays on Thursday night. Apparently, he did get in a limited practice on Tuesday. We'll see what happens on Wednesday whenever we get a practice report from them. But getting him back, obviously, in there would be pretty big for the offense as well. Um, What else could be a case for the Jets if somebody wants to back the Jets on uh, Thursday night? If there is a spot on this Jets schedule to get a W all season, this is it. Like, this is where they stave off the embarrassing historical season because there aren't many spots on the schedule for this team to get a win. So I feel like there maybe is a sense of urgency here that they need to win this game against a rookie quarterback on Thursday night football. And that's why I kind of like I kind of like the Jets here. If I had to lean one side, I do like the Jets against a quarterback who it should not be starting a football game in the NFL. And listen, really. I mean, this is this is something that we we just talked about with Herbert, right? And Herbert, we all agree, is is as a, a super talented guy. But mm-hmm. the Jets, it's still they are still professional football players that are going to know 
that they are going up against Brett Rippon and are going to be able to go in and look at film and look up what this guy's tendencies are and try and figure out how to rattle him. A rookie first quarter, first start on the road um, in a primetime game. I, I'm with you. I am not. I, I'm not rushing to the to the window to play this game. I'm not looking to play this game. That being said, um, I would play the Jets if I had to. You know, if if it came down Same. to it, I would I would play the Jets in this game. I'd hold my nose and 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 just say like, look, at least at least they have their starting quarterback. At least they're playing at home. At least they're getting a rookie in his first start. Um, as far as the total goes, it's laughable. I mean, 39 and a half over at uh, over at MGM and FanDuel. When you look at this, um, if we want to make a case here for the over or under, um, I guess a case for the over could just be, hey, look, it is a rookie quarterback on the road. Turnovers equal short fields or pick sixes or fumbles equal short fields and things like that and whatever. And with a total as low as 39 and a half, you can even mix in some field goals, you know, and still get to the the total if you're looking for the over. So, I mean, I guess a scenario for the over would just be, hey, look, maybe maybe these teams just keep on keeping on and uh, we get a bunch of turnovers. Yeah, that, that's one way to look at it for sure. If you want to look at pace, both these teams played a pretty fast pace overall, 10th and 11th fastest in the NFL. Uh, they're both average in situation neutral, which looks like the game script for mm-hmm. this one with the the line at minus one. Uh, the Jets are 14th, Broncos 19th. So I don't know. <laughs> I do think I do think Darnold will be fine here. This, this Broncos defense is a shell of what it was just weeks ago. No Von Miller. Casey uh, Boye is gone. I mean, this is just this is not the Broncos defense that I like right. coming into the season. So I, I think he will have opportunities, especially if Crowder plays. He'll have opportunities to to move the ball down the field. But I I can't. It's hard for me to get my head around either one of these offenses putting up 20 points. And a case for the under, I think we pretty much made it throughout the course of this whole breakdown. Yeah. I mean, look, it's just <laughs> two completely injury ridden teams here uh, with offenses that are literally dead last and 30th in the NFL. Um, no real playmakers on either side. I mean, I guess you I mean, Jerry Judy is going to be a playmaker in the NFL at some point, but uh, still a little raw out there right now. Uh, running some some bad routes and and a couple of drops here and there, and this is his third. This is his what fourth game with three different quarterbacks. Right. There's the, like where's the chemistry? I mean his 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 entire game is like routes and like timing and chem- like chemistry with the quarterback. And there's he's not going to have any of that. So like who are the weapons on this offense? They got a bunch of rookies out there and a second year guy in Noah Fant. Yeah, I, I don't think the passing game is going to get anything going yeah. on, on Thursday. And and look, you know, what does that lead to? Maybe that just leads to a ton more rushing, a ton more running game here. So maybe we just see a ton of Melvin Gordon in this game. And so that also could lend to an under as well. Um, Brett, let's just leave him with this. So I think we said with the Jets, OK, if we both had to play, we'd play the Jets. If we had to play the total is it weird for me to say if I had to play the total, I'd probably play under 40. I mean, like I think if I had to play it, if someone said you have to play, you have to bet, I'd probably play the under 40. I think that's probably the way I would go to. I think everybody's seeing the same thing. You talked about pro football focus, uh, like, Football Outsiders is seeing the same thing. Denver 30th in offense and mm-hmm. the Jets are 31st. Like these two offenses are putrid. So 
yeah, like I said, I just have a hard time seeing either one of these teams getting 20 plus points in this. Yeah, the only other thing, player prop, Melvin Gordon's rushing total is sitting at 60 and a half. If you do believe that this is just going to be, hey, let's not let Rippon lose this game for us. Let's just feed Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon over and over and over and over again because let's remember um, that right now, Philip Lindsay likely to miss this one more week before he comes back as well. So it is pretty much Melvin Gordon's backfield. Uh, maybe if you wanted to play a prop, you could look at an over on a Melvin Gordon rush yards or something like that. But uh, yeah, outside of that, no, no real interest in any of the props either, Brett. I was trying to, th- I was, I scanned them last night to see if there's anything that I could recommend to our listeners here. And, you know, other than, other than if you believe it's a Melvin Gordon game because they don't want Rippon to, to lose the game for them. I, I have a tough time really putting two and two together here to get you any sort of prop bet, even uh, other than that. And how long is the leash on Rippon? I mean, Vic Fangio doesn't even know what the guy's name is. He called him Mark Rippon <laughs> in, a, in a press conference this week. So like, I, we might just see Jeff, Jeff Driscoll again in the second quarter. Who knows what's going to happen with this? Offense. Yeah. So, uh, Really rough one here, guys. Unfortunately, sorry about that. But again, we will be back on Friday with a full breakdown of this slate, which actually is has some very interesting games up and down the slate because there are some big spreads this week. So there's going to be choices to be made. Do you hold your nose and back some underdogs that are catching a ton of points or do you go ahead and take the favorites and have them have to cover, you know, these big numbers that are out there. So there's going to be an interesting discussion here on Friday with us on the pod. A lot of, a lot of home dogs, a lot of home dogs this week too, which uh, gets me. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be an interesting, going to be an interesting discussion for sure with all this again, Spotify, Stitcher, Google and Apple. So go ahead and subscribe, rate and review. Really do appreciate it at the lines us at play us on the Twitter at Brett Colson and at Matt Brown. M2 guys head over to the lines as always if you are in a legal sports betting state just click on your state at the top up there and we will have literally literally every single offer that you could possibly have for your state and take advantage of the free bets take advantage of the match bets take advantage of the free money all the different things like that because uh, look these sports books have an advantage on you. We have to pay juice. We have to give them the right to offer us these bets. So let's take advantage of them in the only way we can. And that is taking advantage of these sign up offers and these bonus offers. So be sure and do that when you can. For Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys on Friday. <laughs>